so welcome back to uh, Out of Context History. I'm Bobby, your host, and I'm very excited about this episode because I've been talking about it a lot in my recent episodes um, for a while now. Um, my buddy Kevin McNeil I have with me, who's a veteran, and we've talked about doing this for a year, you said, right? Just about. Just about over a year we've wanted to do this. So we're going to talk um, just about his experience. And I know those, you hear these podcasts and those podcasts where I interview with veterans, but I don't think that's enough of them. I'm sure you would agree with me. Absolutely. That the, the, the voice of veterans isn't loud enough. Few and far between. And we as, not as a historian, because that's what I, military historian, but me as a citizen, it's one of my duties to try to understand what service members, men and women go through. That's just part of my life, you know, because my, you know, my listeners know because of my grandfather. So it'll be good. And I think the other thing is, you know, you will have such a powerful impact on those who are in it. And I think you don't realize the power, the impact you have on others in general, on me, on people, on everything. Probably not. Because um, none of us do. I don't even realize the no. impact I have on people. So with that being said, um, welcome. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, yeah. Uh, my name is Kevin McNeil. Uh, I served in the Army for four years. Uh, I joined the Army in October of 2015 and left for basic training in July of 2016 and I just got out in November of 2019. Um, I served four years as in... So why did you join the service? Uh, I'd say that there's a, there's a few reasons, a couple of them being what I realize now a bit immature, um, but I grew up around um, military, and you know I have uh, I have an aunt that's been in the military for 20 years. My great-grandfather fought in Korea as an infantryman, and I always looked up to him my entire life just because of the person that he is, you know? I'm in the same boat. Absolutely, you know, <laughs> just because of the, the person that, that they are, their morals, their ethics, and the way that they were brought up in the military, it really makes you look up to them, and you're like, I want to be like you, you know? Yeah. Um, and so growing up around people like that, I always thought it was cool, and you know, obviously growing up when you're a kid, you see all these movies and TV shows and stuff like that, and you're like, you're like, that's badass. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when you're 16, 17 years old, you know, I signed the papers when I was 17. So when you're 17 years old, you don't really know anything about the military. You just think that it's some badass thing that you want to do, you know? You're like, oh, okay, I want to go overseas, and I want to shoot people in the face, and it's going to be awesome, and so I'm going to do it. And that, honestly, at the time, was something that was going through my mind. 
And it was also because I, uh, I've always had the urge to help people. Um, there's a lot of messed up stuff going on in the world. And I guess I've always wanted to be a part of stopping it. And so that was another big motivation. Um, and as funny as it may sound, I'd say my, my third motivation for doing it is I fucking hate school. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I did not want to go to college. And I knew that someday I wanted to be a police officer. You know, so I made this plan and I was like, you know, I'll go do four years in the army. I'll go do something cool and I'll go see the world and I'll go do my thing for a little bit. And then I'll come back and be in a headspace where I can move forward with something else. Yeah. And I think, I don't think you're alone because I think a lot of people, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of veterans who join have one or multiple of those same reasons. Absolutely. Um... And it's nice because it, it's like this common aspect to life you all share. Yeah, it's to, funny. It's, it's funny too because you, you you'll have people from every single walk of life that you can imagine, every different skin color, every different race, every single um, upbringing that you could think of, and it, everybody has everybody was raised differently and has these different aspects on life and these different morals and these different ethics and different views and opinions and when you first get there it takes a while to formulate but you get to this point where everybody is on the same page and you like you said it's that aspect of life where we all all of a sudden we're one you know and then none of the other stuff matters it's 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 you know you're one you're a team and that's uh, that's what it ends up being in the end, and it's it's a great thing to go through. So, with that, that's a great segue. Um, but talk about your team, you know. Talk about after boot camp, right? Because boot camp, I'm sure, isn't exciting. It, well, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, yeah, actually, it definitely was. Was it? Absolutely. So what was basic training like for you? Not not exactly fun. Um, but a blast at the same time. And I think that that's something that probably the people that I was there with would only really be able to understand. Um, when you first get there, it's a lot of, it's a lot of admin stuff and and it's a, it's a big mental game. You know, they'll keep you awake for three days straight while you get shots and get uniforms and get this, that, and the other thing. And I remember making the first phone call home to my mom. They gave me three minutes to be able to call home. And, uh, I just remember breaking down to my mom. And being like, you know, I'm a grown man. I'm here. I'm bawling my eyes out because I'm like, well, what the hell did I get myself into? Yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing here. All these people are doing are screaming at me. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I realize how serious it is. And obviously, you know, we all had those feelings. You know, I was standing in a room full of a bunch of grown men crying to their mommies. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, you know, thinking I'm back on it now, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, just picturing it in my head. But... At first, 
basically what their their whole main goal is is do they want to teach you how to be a soldier yes do they want to get you in shape physically yes but the biggest and the hardest thing throughout the entire process is definitely the mental aspect because when you get there you very very quickly learn and and are told that you do not mean anything you know you are the bottom of the earth and you are not better than anybody else and you are the lowest of the low um and obviously it takes a toll on on you mentally at first you know and it's not sure. until later that you really understand why they why they do that um but it was it was really exciting because looking back on it now i i can see a difference in myself from the day that I walked in the door to the time that I left and and not only physically but mentally the way that they teach you how to present yourself the way that they teach you how to speak the way that they teach you how to act and how to move um, is just in such a respectful manner you know they live by it, it's a common misconception people think that the military is like it's just a bunch of people that go overseas and kill people, and like, and that's not it. It's such a, um, it's such a. Um, I feel like it's it's its own community. It is definitely its own community, and we we pride ourselves on not things like that, but like I said, just the way that we carry ourselves and the, and the things that we live by on on a daily basis. They have. At first, I thought it was stupid, and I look back on it now, and it wasn't stupid at all. But they have what what's called uh, they call the the seven army values, um, which are loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. And dude, when I got to basic training, I didn't have any of those things. I mean, what was I loyal? Who was I loyal to before that? My mom, you know. Right. Was I a respectful kid? Yeah, but I never knew what it what the true meaning of integrity was. I never yeah, knew what the true right. meaning of of discipline and, and personal courage is, you know? I, I never really processed that stuff. And they instill the stuff into your brain, and by the time you leave there, it's like you feel like a whole new person ready to, like, ready to go. To take know? on the world. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you start, you when you start, you feel so low, and they make you feel that way. And throughout the process, they... They build you back up, and they they turn you into a soldier. Yeah, you know, and and it is it's a pretty cool process. You know, I'll never I'll never forget the day that I graduated that place. Yeah, you know, I was with a bunch of people that I'll talk to for the rest of my life. Yeah, you know. So where where were you stay? Where did you do your basic training? Fort Benning, Georgia. Okay. okay. Um, it's right in outside of Columbus, Georgia. Okay. So. Middle of the woods, rattlesnakes, hot. hot. <laughs> I hate snakes. Yeah, so was, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit terrifying sometimes, but yeah, it's a cool experience, man. I'll, I'll never forget. Like, once you start getting towards towards the end, you, you start getting excited because you're like, I'm gonna graduate. I'm gonna graduate. I'm gonna graduate. You know, you feel good, and uh, they do this thing towards the end of um, of infantry basic training. And uh, it's called the uh, the stairway to heaven, and it's a, a basically what you do is you do like a 
12 or 14 mile ruck march um, in full kit. So that's your full uniform, boots, yep. pants, long sleeves, uh, your vest with plates, helmet, weapon, and a 35 pound rucksack. And every two miles on this rucksack, they have you pick something up. So, you know, the first time it was eight ammo cans full of sand, you know, and then the next two miles it was eight five gallon water jugs. And then the next two miles it was four like quarter telephone poles and, and so on and so forth. And to the point where almost everybody was carrying something. And now keep in mind, you're going 12, 14 miles. Right. It's absolutely sucks. It's terrible. And you need to push yourself harder than you've ever pushed yourself before to get through it. Unless you came in here, it's just like ready to go. Yeah. I was not. Yeah. Um, but they do this thing called Stairway to Heaven, and it's it's this road. Um, the reason they call it that is because it's like the, you really can't see the top of the road. It's just like clouds, and that's how steep it is. Yeah. You know, and you go up this final this final hill, and we you go back to your company after that, and they march you up to this. This place on the top of a hill, and it's like it's got these big metal gates, and it says it's I don't remember exactly what it says, but it says something about the infantry. And you walk in, and there's tiki torches lit everywhere, and they give you this speech about how you are now an infantryman. Yeah. You know, you are now like this is who you are now, and they give you this big badass speech, dude, and it pumps you up. Yeah. You know. And then they come around and they give you uh, what we call our cross rifles. Yep. It's a pin that we wear on our uniform um, that only the infantry wears. Yep. Um, so extremely prideful moment getting that. Yeah, for sure. um, and then the, the blue cord. You know, we wear the blue cord on our uniform. We're the only ones in the military that wear the blue cord on our uniform. And we wear it with pride. You know, we make fun of everybody else. You know, I, you know it's, a, it's a big joke. You know? Yeah. But... Um, it's earned, and you wear and you wear it with pride. And I, that I can say to this day, you know, that day that my my blue cord was pinned on me, has been the the proudest day of my life because yeah. I worked my ass off to do it. Yeah, you know, and you you, you have to. Yeah, and I worked so hard for it, and uh, I just, I remember crying to my mom. That yeah. day. Like holy shit, I did it. You know, yeah. I've been saying this since I was eight years old. Like, right. I'm yeah. gonna do it. Yeah, and yeah. I did. You know, yeah. it's it's like such a feeling of accomplishment. Yeah. You know? So I do think um, I think that's it's great. Everything you shared is great, and I think from there, you know, where were you sent to? So. They don't waste any time. Right. The day that I graduated, basic training, my mom came out of the stands. She had flown down to see me. Give me a hug. And then I got on a bus right then and there in the same parking lot. Yeah. yeah I walked right from my mom's arms onto a bus. The bus took me to Atlanta, put me on a plane. And sent me, hey, six hours later, I landed in the middle of the desert in El Paso, Texas, right on the Mexican border. Um, and when I got there, obviously I'm lost. 
you know, I get off the plane and I'm like, where do they, where do you go? You know? Yeah. And so they bring you over to this little booth and you sit there and you wait for a little bit and a van comes and picks you up at the airport and they take you to the base. They bring you into, um, an in-processing building and they put you in, uh, in a temporary barracks room. Um, you have to in-process onto the post. So at this point, you're now a soldier, yep. but you're in another state. You have no idea who any of these people are. Right. You're by yourself. Right. You have none of your personal belongings. You know, all you have is what you brought to basic training with you, which might be, you know, one civilian outfit. Yeah. And now you have a couple bags of military clothes, but that's it. Yeah. So now they put you in a temporary room. You have no idea what unit you're going to. You have no idea what's going to happen next. You have none of your personal belongings. And now they put you in a room. I'm sleeping on a twin-size bed made of plastic. And I'll keep in mind, I'm 6'4", so my feet are yeah, hanging off right. the back. I, yeah. I have no sheets. I have no blankets. I have no, no fucking toothbrush. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm, like, cuddling up with my clothes. It, it's December. Yeah. So I'm, like, cuddling yeah. up with my clothes in the middle of the night, my army clothes that I had just gotten issued, making pillows out of coats and stuff like that so that I could try to sleep. Um, and then... Once you in process onto the post, they'll uh, they'll assign you a specific unit and they'll say, okay, um, let's go get you a, a designated barracks room um, where your unit is going to be. Um, so you'll move in there and uh, you'll see a bunch of the people that you don't realize at the time but are going to be the closest people you've ever met in your entire life. Yeah. But obviously when you're first walking in there, you're like... These people Who these are pe these Who people? are these people You yeah. know what I'm saying Like I'm the new guy I have no idea Who any of these people are Yeah And then you wake up on You know Whatever day it may be Monday morning um, And you report to your unit Yeah And the whole entire process Starts over again Yep it Starts right over again right. I, Yep I remember walking in The first day Reporting to my unit And I go to Parade rest For my uh, My platoon star I introduce myself to him You know um, And he said, what the fuck are you looking at? And I said, nothing, Sergeant. And he said, don't ever look at me again unless I speak to you. And I'm like shit in my pants. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm the new private. I have no idea what I'm doing. And the stuff that you learn in basic training doesn't compare to the stuff that yeah. you learn once you get to your actual unit. It's yeah. called basic training for a reason. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I learned how to fire my rifle and do some push-ups. Yeah. You know what I'm I learned a little bit of land navigation and a little bit of this and that. But it, I didn't know shit. You know, so you get there and you introduce yourself to your platoon. So now I have, I have 30, 35 guys staring me in the eyes while I'm sitting up there saying, hi, I'm Kevin McNeil. Um, I grew up in Rhode Island and I don't know, I like basketball, you know, and they're all like, fuck you. And the, you know, they're making fun of you and yeah. they make you feel like shit, but you know, they smoke the shit out of you. They make you do physical exercises all day, every day for a week. They make you show up early. They make you do all this shit. So it's, it's like you're starting the process all over again. Yeah. But these are the people that you're going to be with for your career. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, and once you get into the swing of things, it, it's uh, it's not bad. It's, uh, it's, like, it's a nine-to-five job. Yeah. You know? You're waking up at 6 o'clock. Well, I, 5.30. Um, you go to PT at 6 o'clock. And... You do whatever it may be for the day, whether, it, you know, you're going to go run five miles, you're going to go do a ruck march, you're going to go do a circuit, you're going to do whatever. Hour and a half, 7.30, let you go, go eat breakfast, come back at 9 o'clock in your uniform, 
And uh, it, it always depends. Whatever the day, the day always brought something different. So it would be weapons maintenance or vehicle maintenance or let's go outside and train with this or train with that. Let's sit down in a class and learn this. Let's yeah. do medical training. Let's do this. Um, and then, dude, at 5 o'clock at the end of the day, see you later. You go back to your barracks room and do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. You know, you get the weekends off. And then about every, every I don't know, once a month to once every six weeks, you'll go to you'll go out to the field. So you'll go out there anywhere from, you know, four days to 16 days. Um, and that's when you really go out into the desert and you don't come back for however many days, you know, no shower, not good food, <laughs> limited water. And uh, that's when you, that's when the suck kicks in, yeah. you know, that's when you really learn how to, um, you know, as a lot of people say, embrace the suck. Yeah. Because at that point, you know, you really do. Now, do you think, um, this be nice, do you think that time in the desert helped you with your time overseas? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was definitely blessed to be stationed somewhere that was at least a little bit like what overseas would be like. Um, not really... Nothing compared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing, yeah. Yeah, nothing really compares, but I tell you what, it was definitely nice to be used to the desert. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was nice to be used to the desert. What about, like... Used to the temperature and stuff yeah. like that, you know? What about but, being alone? Did that help, like, get you used to, like, these long hours in this heat doing whatever it was you were doing? Being alone? I guess you weren't really alone because you had people around you, right? Yeah, yeah. But never. mentally, it probably takes a lot. Absolutely. On you. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It definitely does take a mental toll. Um, I mean, you're 2,000 miles away from your family. Yeah. You know, I didn't get to go home for most holidays. Right. You know, I missed birthdays and I missed uh, holidays and I missed weddings and I missed deaths and I missed, you know, I, all of these different things um, that obviously I wish I didn't have to miss. Um, so... Some days are better than others, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say I ever felt alone while I was in. I was, I always had somebody. I yeah. always had somebody there, somebody that I wanted to be there. Yeah. Um, but I guess you could say that there, there might have been a little bit of a, a lonely feeling when I like, when I had first gotten there. Yeah. You know? I didn't know anybody. Yeah. You right. know? And like, as funny as it sounds, all I wanted to do was call my mom. Yeah. You know, I'm like, ma, I'm scared. I don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah. You know, I don't know any of these people. Yeah. And they're mean. Yeah. And they treat me like shit. And, you know, my mom was pretty good at getting me through it. Like, dude. Yeah. You know, sack up. Show up. Show them who you are. Yeah. And, you know, you signed up to do it. So do it. Yeah. You know? Do it with pride. So I did. You know, well. Start with us And I think You know Podcasts The way they 
of you today. It's a platform. It's a platform for veterans. You know, they don't have to feel isolated in a lot of ways. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. It's um, kind of the second part now. We're going to try to dive deeper into things and ideas and his time um, in the service. Thanks for listening. And I want to make this point before we get back to the interview. Service members, you know, going all the way back. Are just now, those who are still alive, those are just now starting some to share their experiences. Because the world has opened up a little, not completely. And trust me, there's a lot of work to be done. Especially for the military historians like myself. A lot of work to be done. But people are starting to write books, right? Like Marines, um, Air Force combat veterans, journalists. Like people during a given time are starting to say, this is kind of what I saw. This is what I saw. This is how I saw it. You know, so this is how the world saw it, right? There's different parts and different books that come into play more and more, right? Like, that's the nice thing about wanting to be a writer is that, you know, 10, 12 years from now, I'll have an idea and I can do it again. Or I can get ready for it after whatever, you know? That's really important for us people of this country, especially moving forward, to remember that this is a life choice, life decision they made. They wanted to serve. They did it honorably, respectfully, just going through things none of us will ever go through, right? And here they are coming back to a not so welcome place like that's fucked up that's not that's not okay you can't have these people men women who serve come back to a place that doesn't feel like home and even you know for those German soldiers for the American soldiers coming back from the world wars no one understood them except themselves right even if it was a warm welcome to some degree a lot of them wanted to go back why is that why is there this urge to go back and surf and I think that's one of the questions I want to maybe not answer in this podcast but while you listen to Kevin speak kind of think about that I might bring it up I might bring it up later whatever but think about that why do a lot of like why do they feel so isolated and, a lot, and I gave a couple of reasons, but obviously the other one is what can we do, right? I said this before, to make it a better place for veterans to come and speak and share their experiences with the world. The world's got to be open.
next part of the pod, we're going to talk about kind of the ethics of a soldier, ethics in the military. Um, I think it's one of those things that people think they understand, and it's a whole lot more complicated than what anyone thinks. Because um, as times change, right? This is part of the philosophy. As time goes on and civilian life is different and different things come up, the military has to change with them, whatever that might mean. And sometimes for soldiers, it's, it's a lot harder. Then we think. 